You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things. The treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O good one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, Father Hezekiah. How are Here you? Here we are. It's it, you know, sometimes in between weeks in which we come together to our study, it feels like it's been months. I know. <laughs> but here we are. Here it's we must, are. It's been a very long week. Yes. But we're here together on 12th Sunday in ordinary time. And um, we've got our passages to jump in here. First from Jeremiah. Annie, why don't you just go ahead and give us our um, biblical text here? Everybody, right. get out your pen, get out your paper, get out your Bible. It's SGR. With the ICC. Go, Annie. Get ready. All right, here we go. The first reading for the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 20, verses 10 through 13. Mm-hmm. The responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 69. The gospel is Matthew, chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. And the epistle is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. There we have it. Jump into Jeremiah today. Let's do it. Jeremiah chapter 20. Chapter 20, and we're starting with verse 10. Let me know when you're ready. All right. Jeremiah, that's in the the Old Testament. Indeed. Indeed. From what I hear. Nice. Okay, here we go. Chapter 20 verse 10 10 okay i'm there okay excellent here we go jeremiah said i hear the whispering of many terror on every side denounce let us denounce him all those who were my friends are on the watch for any misstep of mine perhaps he will be trapped then we can prevail and take our vengeance on him But the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. My persecutors will stumble. They will not triumph. In their failure, they will be put to utter shame, to lasting, unforgettable confusion. O Lord of hosts, you who test the just, who probe mind and heart, let me witness the vengeance you take on them. For to you, I have entrusted my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. For he has rescued the life of the poor from the power of the wicked. Kind of an intense the reading, actually. The, it's the like word of the Lord. Exactly. Let's kick off an entire uh, set of really intense readings for this weekend um, here with Jeremiah. Just first of all, Father, can you give us a refresher on what we need to know about the prophet Jeremiah in general? And then what in the world is going on? 
that he's saying stuff like this. Yeah. So um, we've talked before. First of all, you can go back and listen to our ICC talk on the lamentations of Jeremiah. Um, it was a very interesting study. It was interesting for me. I led it. And I, I always learn things when I'm doing the Bible studies at the ICC. So um, so there you are, Lamentation of Jeremiah, which will basically be a long way of getting what we're about to say in the next 30 seconds or three cool. minutes. Nice. Um, and as Jeremiah is living during what time, Annie? The Babylonian exile. Yes, he actually lives through the exile. So he actually sees it happen. He sees the destruction coming. He prophesies against what's going on in Jerusalem. And that gives us all the context we need to know about this passage by way of just turning our Bibles back a couple of pages. If we come back here for uh, sufficient, just to go back to chapter 18 and work through a couple of things, which is again, you know, guys, what we're doing here with the SGR. And by the way, those that are new to Sunday Gospel Reflections with the Institute of Catholic Culture, you're welcome. If you're not a signed up member of the Institute of Catholic Culture, you want to go to the website and you're going to want to become a member. It's free of charge. There's no hidden fees or charging that. No, no, no. It's just we you sign up so that we can send you emails and tell you, hey, you know, Father Spitzer's coming and you might want to participate or there's a new course offered, that kind of thing. So but if you're new to SGR, our goals through Sunday Gospel Reflection are not to give you a homily, although once in a while I get on my hobby horse, yeah, my homily horse, and uh, and uh, and and share a few, some, some thoughts with you. But our primary goal is to get the context, because a text without, without a, text a context is no text at all. That's right. No text at all. And so um, our goal is to get that context. Well, here in the gospel, in uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah, that context is given to us. You could go back further, of course, in the story of Jeremiah, but chapter 18 and following is sufficient because look what happens. And the whole, you want to know how the prophets worked? This is it. This is, this is your course on the prophets. Chapter 18 and chapter 19 leading up to our passage. Chapter 18, the word of the, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. Now, why has he got to go to the potter's house, the guy who's making pottery, yeah, um, to hear the word of the Lord? Because, because you know, well, it's it's kind of like the create the the you know, the creation. The the it's supposed to be revelatory, right? Romans chapter one. Right. We we should have come to know the Lord by His handiwork. Right. You know, the painter by his paintings. Right. And so here, this is a good example is a lot of times the prophets will embody their prophecy. They'll make it tangible or the Lord will make it tangible so that we can see and understand spiritual truths because, you know, it's spiritual truths are spiritual and we're spiritual beings, but we're also physical. We come to know things through the material world. So we got to come to know the higher things through the lower. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to go down to the potter's field. See how he's working that pot? See how he's kind of crafting it? Well, who, who's crafting Who's crafting the pot? It's God. Yeah, but Jeremiah's got to go watch the potter. And he's got to see the potter forming it, forming the thing, right? And this is what God's doing with us. Now look at this. Uh, verse 3. So I went down to the potter's house. And there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. Ooh. Well, what's the vessel that God is crafting? Well, here in the context of Jeremiah, 
it's the tribe of Judah and all of God's people, but by and specifically now the northern ten tribes have fallen to the Assyrians, and Judah's about to die, okay, about to collapse. Then uh, verse five, then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I do with you as the potter has done? Says the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if the nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I also will repent, right? And why is that? Because the Lord, you gotta, we have to understand that this is very much, um, uh, um, what do you call it, Annie, when it's um, when spiritual things, things of the Lord are made, brought down to our level. You know, and, you know, you know, like it makes it like, man, what's like anthropomorphizing? That's the that's the ten cent word, anthropomorphizing. <laughs> yeah, making mankind like, right? So we see the Lord work, and we, and then the scriptures are written, of course, inspired by God, but through the hands of man, yeah. and so they're expressed as to what we see, right? Well, the Lord technically never repents because the Lord remains. It's we who change, right? But now, how are we changing? Are we going to open our lives to the work of God? And if we do, then we will continue to be formed by the potter's hand. And to the extent that we refuse his form, then we're going to get all messed up and break, right? Well, this is exactly what it says. Um, uh, to the extent that you repent, then life's going to be all right. Verse, verse, where was I? Verse 10, nine, verse 9, and if any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build up and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will repent of the good which I intended to do to it. Now, Judah, you're going to die. <laughs> because Why? Why? Because verse 12, but they say, right, so here's Judah's response to the invitation of the Lord that it is in vain and we will follow our own plans and will every and everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart right mm -hmm. so verse 18 then they said come let us make plots against jeremiah for the law shall not perish from the priest nor counsel from the wise nor the word from the prophet come let us smite him with the tongue and let us not heed any of his words so wow. jeremiah is telling them Guys, probably not a good idea to be worshiping Baal and sacrificing your children. Okay, things aren't going to go well. But if you would repent, God, God's gonna, God's gonna have mercy on you. So He says this, and what do they say? Smite him! Right? I don't want to listen to I you. I don't want to get rid of the messenger. Chapter nineteen, verse one. Thus said the Lord, go buy a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and the senior priests and go out to the valley of the sons of Hinnom. We're going to hear a version of that word, Hinnom. You hold on to that, okay? Oh, okay. In a moment from Jesus. At the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words I tell you. You shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah and Habits of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing such an evil upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle because the people have forsaken me. They have profaned this place by burning incense 
in it to other gods. And they're going to go on in verse 5. They've set up high places to Baal. And then, um, uh, oh, you got to pick this one up for later on. Verse verse 6, therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when this place shall, shall no more be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the place of slaughter. Now oh. hold on to that because we saw wow. Hinnom now twice. Mm-hmm. It's going to become a place of slaughter. And in this place, I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life. I will give their de- dead bodies for food to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. Verse 10, then you shall break the flask, right? Go get the flask. Now break it in the sight of the men. And um, coming down to verse 11, halfway through, so will I break this people and this city. You see that? Yeah. Verse 14. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. He stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon the city and upon its town evil that I have pronounced against it because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my word. Right. Verse two, then Pasher beat Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in stocks. Okay, and now that is the context in which Jeremiah then gives us the text he gives us. And that. Okay. well, no wonder. (laughs) Take it. Take a look at this now. Chapter 20, verse 10. Jeremiah said, I hear the whisperings of many terror. On every side, denounce, denounce him. Well, who's him? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Why? Yeah. Because he's like telling he's them saying. to repent, <laughs> right? Go to confession. Yeah. All those who were my friends are on the watch for any misstep of mine. Yeah, like, could they catch him in something he says it's actually be considered treason? So they can not only arrest him and put him in shackles, they send him to the king, cut his head mm-hmm. off, right? Can they get rid of this guy who's telling them to stop sinning, right? Well, that sounds familiar. There hmm. you go. Exactly. Yeah. And then look as it, as it turns. But the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. My persecutors will stumble. They will not triumph. In their failure, they will be put to utter shame. Right? Why? Why? Because Jeremiah is a holy man. And the holy man is always living in the presence of God. He knows the Lord is with him in the darkest pit, in exile, when nothing looks like it could work. He has done what the Lord asked him to do. And it's ended in total disaster from a human standpoint. But he knows the Lord is with him. For he knows what the Lord is going to say in our gospel passage. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to tell you what that is until we read it. But he's, yeah. I just, with that, I would, I would just maybe leave you with that about this idea of the presence of the Lord, an awareness of God with him in the worst difficulties, in the worst trials. Yeah. What should we make of Jeremiah saying, let me witness the vengeance you take on them for to Mm. you, I have entrusted my cause. And does God grant him that? I mean, would the Babylonian exile be the answer to that prayer in a way? Or is that reading too much into it? You know, I want to read. I'm going to go back um, with you to um, to uh, 
one of the Psalms that we have shared with you in the past. Psalm 137. Okay, now I we shared this with our ICC members during Lent, but it's been a while. So we're going to do that again. But let's turn your Bibles to Psalm 137. And I actually, I had not really thought about sharing this with you. But as you ask that question, Annie, it's what comes to mind. So I'm going to turn there. Psalm 137, by the waters of Babylon. Oh, yeah. There we sat. There we sat down and wept when we remembered Sion, right? We remembered Jerusalem. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs. So the, the Babylonians saying, sing, sing to us, right? There it is. And our tormentors mirth saying, sing to us one of your songs of Sion. Nurse, you know, entertain us with your foolish ditties, right? Yeah. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem. So now we're going forward, you know a few years right because jerusalem has now fallen the people have been taken captive to babylon and then they're the, the idea behind this psalm is that they are on their way they're into babylon now and they have witnessed everything that's transpired right wow. they're remembering they're remembering Sion. now listen as it progresses how shall i sing the lord's song in a foreign land verse five if i forget you O jerusalem let my, let my right hand wither let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if i do not remember you if i do not set jerusalem above my highest joy remember O lord against the edomites the edomites had come into um into cahoots with the babylonians and had actually facilitated the attack that brought down the city Mm-hmm. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, raise it, raise it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, you devastator, happy shall he be who requites you with what you have done to us. Happy shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Now, mm-hmm. I have shared this with you. This is a, this is a one psalm verse that is always avoided (laughs) you're not going to find this in very many places because it's it's really disturbing yeah you mean in the psalms it's like promoting the murdering of children you have to understand you have to understand jeremiah you know what we have today we have to understand the psalms as the expression of the human heart in all of its varied emotion And why does this come out like this? You hold your hand here and turn with me to Jeremiah's Lamentations. That's the book in your Bible, which follows follows the prophecy of Jeremiah. And turn to uh, Lamentations chapter 2, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 20. Look, O Lord, and see with whom hast thou dealt thus? Should women eat their offspring, the children of their tender care? Mm. So what's going on? Well, the the siege on Jerusalem was 30 months long. The Babylonian siege on Jerusalem, 30 months. Their food supply was cut off. Um, They were in devastation. And it appears as though the situation got so bad that mothers began cannibalizing their children. Now, 
that is horrible thing to even, I mean, we can't even have to move on from it, right? We have to move on from it. But you have to understand that the psalm, the psalmist is expressing this, this deep, like, I mean, you can't even imagine. So now go back to Psalm 137 and verse 7. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, raise it, raise it down to its foundations. What you made us do? What happened to us? Do you understand what you did to us? And then they said, may you receive back what you did to us, right? This is the rawest human emotion being, that, that's coming out here. And so we're going to, there's, this is a musical setting that we've heard this before at SGR. We did it one time before. We're going to go ahead. This is a, a chant that has been chanted. The Psalms are chanted, right? Psalms are songs. They're chanted. Um, and so there is a, uh, this has been chanted in the history of the church and going back into the Old Testament. And we have a particular musical setting that's very old. It's, a, it's at least 200 years old. But we're going to go ahead and play it here. If you have already heard it and you don't want to, you can just fast forward this part or you just sit back with your- Sit with and the, wallow with this reel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, we'll go ahead and, and start that now. No. Oh. Uh -huh. 
is quite powerful and um and i think that helps us understand the answer to your question which was annie say it again well what do we make of jeremiah like asking the lord to be able to witness the vengeance on oh right well i think that's it like you you know that you say that's not holiness that's not that shouldn't be in the bible no it's the expression of this man who's given his life for the lord and it's resulted in him being put into shackles and thrown into, into a pit. And he's crying out to the Lord from his heart. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of this text, the beauty of the Psalms, the beauty of the scriptures, is that while the while the, the scriptures are the inspired word of God, they they come to us in, in through our humanity. And and that's why that, that you know, they say it's funny, you know, text about context, no text at all. Well, the most important context is the who who's writing it and to whom it's being written. Yeah. And we oftentimes we take the scriptures out of that context and it becomes like, like, I'm sorry to say, but how so many sadly will hear this Old Testament reading at church on Sunday, you know, Saturday evening vigil mass, right? Let's get it out of the way so that Sunday's free. Father Hezekiah is not a fan of sun, Saturday evening vigil mass. I know there's a place for it, but... When it's used, when it's, when it's used, used inappropriately, yeah. and that is to get it out of the way so you can do something you really want to do on Sunday, that's an abuse. And so here we are in Jeremiah, and mm-hmm. like, you know, we'll have the reader will get up there and do their reading, and they'll say the word of the Lord, and then thanks be to thanks God, and God. they go down, thanks and the God. next person gets up, and we move on, and you can't approach it like that. Mm-hmm. You have to approach it from the perspective of Jeremiah, who then embodies the deepest signs of the human heart. And it's only then that we can understand the gospel and apply the gospel to its proper context and then eventually to us and allow Jeremiah to give voice to what we face. And of course, we'll have to develop that when we look at the gospel. Yeah. I do think it's interesting, um, the last couple of lines about sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has rescued the life of the poor from the power of the wicked. I mean, isn't that what happens well, with the Babylonian exile? This, is, a, this is it. Jeremiah, over, right? Jeremiah is going to be released. You turn to the prophecy of Jeremiah very quickly. Jeremiah chapter 40. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 40, which is a is a is a continuation of 2 Kings chapter 25. So you can go back and read. I encourage you to do this. Open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 25. Put your hand there. Open up to Jeremiah chapter 39. In fact, I'll give it to you exactly so that you don't get frustrated. I want you in two places. 2 Kings 
chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 39. I want your, your eyes on both those spots. Okay. okay. Chapter, so second Kings chapter 25, verse one. In the ninth year of his reign, that is the reign of Zedekiah, in the 10th month, on the 10th day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem, laid siege to it. Now, keep your hand there. Flip over to chapter 39 of Jeremiah, verse 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem, laid siege to it. You see that? Yeah. It's the same story. Yeah. Right? And now in chapter 39, you have the destruction of Jerusalem, the conquering of Jerusalem. In chapter 40, verse 1 is the is the PS to 2 Kings chapter 25. Hmm. The word of the, so I'm in again Jeremiah chapter 40. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard had let him go from Ramah when he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled to Babylon. The captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God pronounced this evil against this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against, against the Lord and did not obey his voice, this thing has come upon you. Now behold, I released you today from the chains of your hands. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come. And I will look after you well. But if it seems wrong to you to come with me to Babylon, do not come. See the whole land is before you. Go wherever you want. And of course, Jeremiah returns to Babylon and begins writing his lamentations. Okay. So there's there it is. Jeremiah saw the whole thing. He sees the he sees the city burn. He sees the women cannibalizing their infants. He sees them and goes with them in exile okay and then he's makes friends with the captain of the guard and then he's released and he goes back and he sees the city smoldering and what's left of it in total destitution total terrible and uh and writes his lamentations so i guess my it's my long-winded answer of saying yes actually the lord did grant his request and in La lamentations chapter one we see the result of that request and that is he weeps over Jerusalem and what has happened. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, speaking of weeping, I mean, that's exactly what you're getting in Psalm 69. I mean, it feels like, it sounds like something that Jeremiah could have been praying. Oh, no, absolutely. Psalm 69. And remember again, this is supposed to be chanted in our churches. I know that father Hezekiah is constant, incessant, a request that a psalm actually a song be sung uh it was not followed in most places but it's supposed to be chanted and so that in our voice rises up the cry of the people yeah and that cry is this trusting in the lord but in this in the face of destruction the face of the insults and the face of the of what has happened really in basically what has happened to jeremiah right for your sake i bear bear insult and shame covers my face i have become an outcast to my brothers a stranger to my mother's children because zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me i pray to you O lord for the time of your favor O god in your great kindness answer me with your constant help Answer me, O Lord, for bounteous is your kindness, and in your great mercy 
turn toward me. So again, we don't have to go through all this, but but that's the, the idea, okay? And it should be sung because what's going on in the life of Jeremiah is to be understood as a prefigurement about what is going on in our own life and then to learn the ways of the Lord, right? Mm. He was there for Jeremiah. He's going to be there for us. He was there for the Lord, right? For Jesus, as he went through these, these difficult things, we turn to our heavenly father in the midst of these difficulties. The big question is why is this such a negative theme being given to us who are about to go to Hawaii on summer vacation. <laughs> now you're saying, Father Hezekiah, you're going to Hawaii on summer vacation. No, Father Hezekiah doesn't go to Hawaii on summer vacation because I don't have time to do so or the money to do so. But I know one of you is going to go to Cancun without me. Now, there's something to learn. And that is always take your priest with you. Yes, that's number one. Number two, <laughs> number two, when you go to Cancun, things aren't going to go that great. Sorry, Christians, but I'm going to tell you why it's all going to work out for the glory of the Lord. But we have to get Jesus talking in this Sunday gospel reflection. So let's turn to the gospel. Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 10. That is in the New Testament Catholics. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Annie. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 is where we are beginning for this weekend. You ready? Yeah. All right. Jesus said to the 12, fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others I will acknowledge before my heavenly father, but whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly father. Once again, the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> what a way to close this. But we left off last week um, with Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse eight. So just kind of give us a little reminder of, of the context with Matthew chapter 10, what's going on here with, with Jesus and the apostles. And then is there anything significant to note um, between verse eight and, and verse 26, where we begin today? Well, you know, there, I want to, I want to say no, uh, only because verse 26 sums up the other verses that were skipped. And that's why sure. the church is saying, look, in this verse, it's going to be sufficient rather than making them stay for more than 35 minutes at the <laughs> eternal sacrifice of the mass, but don't get me started on that point. That's another hobby horse. Matthew chapter 10, verse five, these 12, Jesus sent out charging them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and to the town of the Samaritans, go rather than the lost house of Israel and preach as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and so forth. In other words, this is Jesus's final commission to his disciples as he's sending them out as apostles. So 
For those that maybe didn't participate last week in our study, I want you to just turn back with me to Matthew chapter 5. Okay, look, I know I'm constantly doing this, but it really is important that we make sure we're, we can see our Bible. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go back to chapter 3 very quickly, and I'm just going to hop, skip, and jump. So you see chapter 3, verse 1, the baptism, right? Or you see, well, you see John the Baptist, right? In verse 16 is the baptism of Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus goes to the temptation in the desert. Mm -hmm. Then he, he makes his way up into Galilee to Capernaum, verse 13. He went to, well, he went to Nazareth, then Capernaum, right? And then in verse 18, he calls his apostles on the Sea of Galilee. Then he goes in verse 23, he goes about all of Galilee preaching and healing. So his people are gathering to him. And in verse 5, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. That's the Mount of Beatitudes overlooking the Sea of Galilee right near Capernaum. And when he sat down with his disciples, or his disciples came to him, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, and there's your Beatitudes. This whole text is is really Jesus's um it's his what's it what's the what the soldier goes to the, the boot camp. The boot camp, thank you. It's Jesus's boot camp. Okay. And in the boot camp, he's gonna tell them how they're to live as his disciples. And that all kind of comes to a culmination, right? You you see in, in chapter right there, the Beatitudes in chapter five, chapter six, when you give alms, verse five, when you pray. Verse 16, when you fast, chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that you may not be judged and, and so forth. Okay. And so this all kind of comes to a culmination, this in the finishing school of chapter 10. And the finishing school is all of this stuff consolidated down in which he says, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10, Take no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, or whatever. As you enter a house, salute it. And uh, okay, and verse 16 Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Why? Because, because while he's been doing all of this, the Pharisees are seeing the crowds gathered in the Mount of Beatitudes. They're flipping out, they're getting in, in, in cahoots with the Herodians. Okay, the guys in the in Herod's court, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to arrest him because he's causing a major problem for Herod and for the Pharisees. And so this is all going on. He's saying, I'm sending you out there, but I know what's out there. All of my enemies who refuse to become as you are, they all know about me. Everyone knows about me. So the people you're going to find when you go out there, not all of them are going to be welcoming to you. Okay. And then uh, look at verse 24, chapter 10, verse 24, disciples not above his teacher, nor servant above his master, right? And so you're going to have to go out and you become servants to the people they send you to. Verse 26, is this, where are we picking this up in our gospel passage here? Yeah, there it is, verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, go out and proclaim it out there, right? And so... Here's, here's his, this is sending out of the apostles. Now we're getting very close to where we have to bring in Jeremiah, but you might have other questions. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering, just, I mean, you can probably cover this pretty quickly, but I'm wondering like, why is Jesus saying that he's going to say it in the dark or he's going to whisper it, but he wants the apostles to go out and proclaim it from the rooftops. Right, right. right. Well, look, look, I, we did this last week, chapter nine, verse 34. 
But the Pharisee says he casts out demons by the prince of demons. Okay, we did this last week, right? We did all this. We showed, look, this, the, the story behind the story is that they're looking to arrest Jesus. They're making serious accusations against him that he's a demoniac, right? right. So, oh, okay, that makes so, sense. So, so, so yeah. here's the thing. Jesus knows he's got to be crucified in Jerusalem. He can't get arrested in Galilee. It's not going to work out. So yeah. he is now, he's, he's now in hiding, right? He's going off. He's, 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 he's finding places to go at this point. Maybe in chapter five, maybe during the Beatitudes, he could be out there in public, but no more. By chapter 10 of Matthew, things are getting bad, okay? And now he sends his apostles out, and he himself has to go and, 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 and hang back and try to separate himself, make sure he doesn't get arrested. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, so what is Gehenna? Oh, that's what, okay, that's what we were looking at earlier. And this is super important because, you know, we, I'm going to ask you, what is Gehenna? You, if I ask you that question, what is Gehenna? You're going to say in most of our participants. Well, yeah, I would say hell. That's what I usually Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a Bible word for a hell, right? Yeah. But guys, text, a context, 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 right? And you always ask yourself, it's a strange word, Gehenna. Yeah. But it either must mean something or it must have a background. So, so what are you going to use? You're going to go grab your trusty concordance or you get online and just go to the concordance and type in Gehenna and you're going to find these things out. So you, you actually don't need, I'm going to lose half of my Bible study audience right now. You don't need <laughs> this Bible study. You just got to get the right habits. And once you're in the habits, you're going to be able to go and, and figure those things out. Right. Well, so what did we hear, hear earlier? Where did Jeremiah go to the Valley of Hinnom, 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 the Hinnom Valley. Yeah. The Hinnom Valley is the same. It's the same name for Gehenna. Okay. Oh. The Valley of Hinnom. And, and you can pick that up. I wrote down a passage. Second Kings. Take a look at that. No. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Verse 1, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, like his father David, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made molten images of the Baals, and he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And burned his sons as an offering. Good grief. Yeah. Okay. So Ahaz, not a good guy. I remember thinking of him as a dope. Didn't he like not heed the prophet telling him to well, of, repent? Of, cor of course he didn't yeah. need <laughs> Right. But of course, Ahaz is also is the father of? Hezekiah. Yeah. Right? So don't, yeah. just because... A father's bad doesn't mean his son automatically has to be bad, right? It it it's right. Uh, so there's a miracle that happens here, and Hezekiah Hezekiah comes out of out of Ahaz, but but Ahaz is bad news, and he burns his sons in the valley of Gehenna. Gehenna was the 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 valley on the western side of the city of Jerusalem. I'm going to pull up an image here, and uh, so that you can see this for yourself. It's very important. Geography is the name of the business. Okay, can you see the map now, Annie? Yeah, okay, I okay. see Mount Zion and Mount Moriah. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And um, this is Jerusalem and this whole mountain range here. 
it has multiple mountain tops. Now, don't think of a mountain like you, you know, we think of like this peak. It's a it's a hilltop. And this Mount Sinai is the highest point. Mount Moriah is where the Temple Mount is. And then the Kidron Valley, of course, and the Val and then the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives on the eastern slope. The Tyropean Valley, otherwise known as the Cheesemakers Valley, is a valley which in Jerusalem is not readily apparent when you're actually in the city because because the Temple Mount is actually has taken over what you would consider Mount Moriah. So if you've ever been to Jerusalem, the Western Wall, where they stand there and they mourn at the Western Wall, is mm-hmm. actually the base of this valley. Um, and the Western Wall would is just simply the foundation wall of the temple. It's not the actual temple wall, which a lot of people get confused about. Nevertheless, if we come over here, we see the Hinnom Valley. And that's and that's the the, the story. This is simply valley that was owned by the, the sons of Hinnom and uh, over time became the place where the Jews threw their trash. It was a smoldering dump. It was Gehenna. <laughs> All those images you have of Gehenna, that's what it was. But it was, a, it was the dump, right? It was, it was hell. Nobody wanted to go there. It's the place of the dead right? The decaying, the, the horrible, okay? So, so there you have it in our text. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna, right? And this smoldering, just this, it's the destruction of the whole person, yeah? yeah. And that's the, that's the idea. So these images are super helpful to us because, right, they, they put flesh, in a sense, on the words of the Bible. The uh, idea of hell don't is not just this... Uh, esoteric idea of of distance from god but a reality of suffering yeah yeah so how i mean this is kind of an obvious question i think i'm i'm forming it in my mind but maybe you can just make it more explicit for us connect this to what we read in jeremiah sure i mean yeah i mean i think it's pretty obvious now um the church is living in the um what is this the fourth sunday after pentecost the Something fifth like sun- yeah fourth sunday few pen- few yeah. sundays past that's pentecost. why i really don't like the modern counting okay the 12th sunday ordinary time is not really helpful i want to know how far i am from pentecost this pentecost is that explosive moment which then sends the apostles forth for mission which is what the church is calling us into. And that mission is to go out and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. But when we declare the good news of Jesus Christ, which is what? What's the good news of Jesus Christ? What's the good news? Where are you going to find the good news in your Bible? In Jeremiah. Yes. We were there, right? Jeremiah chapter 20. I'm just, you don't have to go back there with me. You can if you want. I'm going back to Jeremiah. I'm in chapter 20 but I'm better. I'm in chapter 18, the clay. And it says, if you're going to be, if the, if destruction is coming upon you and you repent, the Lord's going to be with you. He's never going to abandon you. That's so, so, so now, now the apostles are going to go out. What are they going out to? The apostles are going out to meet St. Paul. They're going to have rocks thrown at them. They're going to have their heads cut off. They're going to be crucified upside down. Right? 
And that's what Jesus is telling them in the gospel. That's what the church is applying to the lives of the apostles after Pentecost. And that's what the church is now applying to us, saying, you know what? When you go out to, when you go to Cancun and you are wearing your pro-life pin, it may not go well with you. Hmm. When you go to Cancun, you may not be able to stay at the place you thought you're going to stay at because they're having a gay pride weekend. Yeah. Right. Uh, when you go into your workplace, your job, and you make the sign of the cross before you eat your food, you may lose your job. When your coworker tells you that they're a lesbian and you, because you're a Christian and care about the person, share with them that their life can never lead to true happiness, you will most likely be fired and may be taken to court. And in our modern society, you may end up in jail. When you are clear about your reason for voting for particular candidates and not voting for other particular political candidates, it may not go well with you or for you. But the Lord is present in our life. He will never abandon us. Fear, not the one who can destroy your body, but the one who can lead you into Gehenna and destroy both your soul and your body. Yeah. Yeah. So this is very applicable in this time because we are in a, as I say, something of a boot camp right now, just as the apostles were. We received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're packing our bags right now. The Feast of Saints Peter and Paul is coming up on the 29th of this month. I suggest you keep the fast in preparation. What fast? Well, there's a big feast coming. The feast of the apostles going out. Do you want to go? You want to be an apostle for the Lord? You want to go out? Well, the demons you're going to face can only be conquered through prayer and fasting. So you better get yourselves ready through prayer and fasting. I would suggest from today moving forward, the 29th, it's only a few days. Keep the fast. Yeah. Set aside meat. Set aside some of these things. Turn off the movies. Turn off the television. I am dare say it. Turn off the ICC for a couple of weeks. Get yourself into prayer and preparation. The Lord is going to act in your life as he's acted in the apostle's life. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, everything's going to work out perfectly. No. It may not work out from a worldly standpoint perfectly, but what's going to work out is your eternal salvation. That's what the church is getting us ready for through these biblical passages so that we can really, I think, honestly, Annie, having done this Bible study here today, we're really ready for the gospel this Sunday. We're really ready to be within the mind of the church to prepare ourselves for what the church is, 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 is really wanting us to do, getting our souls ready. Well, I mean, if we're supposed to be a little Christ, I'm looking at the, the, the second reading, the epistle from Romans five. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about, you got to go through the cross and it's because of sin that, that death came to all of us, but then Christ reversed it all. He did reverse it all. And he reversed it all in us. That's the thing. Don't be looking at these passages as something that happened 2,000 years ago. 
now today you are the fallen adam who's been restored in christ you have to read romans chapter 5 verse 1 through 11 so that's my that's my concluding thing stop you to read the whole of this passage all of chapter 5 and then all of chapter 6 because you have been reconciled to the lord through your baptism yeah there's a, a peace which has been made between man and God. Why is there peace? Because the cancer has been cut out. Yeah. And where, where that, those, the, 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 that division has maybe begun again in your life, get to holy confession so that you are ready. You are ready to go out as Christ into the world. How important it is that we're prepared for the mission that God has given us. To Christ our God be glory, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. I'm going to redo that ending. I'm looking down. How important it is it which God, uh, Christ has given us? And and I, I maybe I can just conclude with this, because we are now at the ICC in the midst of uh, in a very important time in which we're preparing for the launch of our of our new fiscal year. Um, and we're asking ICC members who believe in this mission to join us in doing this mission and making sure that we have the tools necessary to go out and bring Christ to the world. So you may say, Father Hezekiah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going out preaching from the hilltops. You know, I mean, how does Jesus, how does Jesus say this here? I'm sorry, I have my printed off version so I could use the use the version you're here at, at mass and i turn yeah, my page proclaim and, on the housetops as yeah there it is proclaim on the housetops right matthew chapter 10 i'm not prepared to go do that well there are ways in which you can do that do you want to do it well let's let's help make that happen right there's i can either get up and start shouting from the rooftop or i can make sure that the guy gets out there and does it this is what the women disciples of the lord did right they provided for the lord and the apostles out of their own means to ensure that the ministry of christ was able to be proclaimed yeah so uh so we ask members of the icc if you're a pledged member consider in in increasing your pledge to support this ministry if you're not a pledged committed monthly donor maybe you've given generously in the past Consider your monthly support because it's critically important for our life at the Institute to know what we have coming in day and day out. So make sure that I get the, the funds to be able to, to provide for the apostles to open their mouths. You had to get Father Scalia and, 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 and Father Spitzer and, and Dr. Cutterback and uh, Dr. Wunsch and Dr. Papino to be out there as the voice because we're one body. And when they're teaching at the ICC, they're reaching thousands upon thousands of people. Help us do that so that we can fulfill the call of Jesus Christ. May God bless all of you, our whole ICC family, all of our generous benefactors, all those that God will send to us that we may bring the light of Christ to as many as possible. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.